Welcome to Day Zero Update for April 24th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. And I'm Brandon Perkins. Yeah, just a two-man crew this week. We have uh, Dan Rubens out of town, so... Yep. Uh, but we're not short for content. Every, no, we are not. The company decided, hey, let's announce uh, everything we're going to do for the summer. Yeah. It's like they heard our list last week of upcoming releases saying, like, yeah, the summer doesn't seem like it has much right now. And mm-hmm. they said, hey, let's fix that. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to give you all the things. Yeah. Uh, even Nintendo, which annoys people because this means less things to be in a direct Mm-hmm. Uh, and things that they act like would have to be in a direct. Not like they haven't announced random things on Twitter for years at this point, but mm-hmm. uh, we got a bunch of stuff here uh, to talk about, uh, including lots of dates for games coming out here in the next few months. Mm. Uh, we do have a couple of subscription things happening here for uh, this week. And uh, we got some other industry news couple of things of games doing pretty well, uh, some announcements and such. And uh, yeah, mostly a good week, good news week mm. here. And that's uh, it's not uh, a common thing these days. So uh, we'll get to that stuff in a little bit. We'll start, start with what we've been playing, and I'll mm. kick it off here. Uh, been playing some more MLB The Show 22. Uh, they are doing a... Double XP week here mm-hmm. uh, for the next few days, so I'm putting some more time into that as I work through some of these uh, different little program things they're doing. Mm. Uh, still having lots of fun with that. Uh, but that's about all you have to say about that for now. Uh, I've been playing some more Fortnite. I've mm. uh, been working on some of the stuff. They just dropped a few different things in there. Uh, the weird new thing that's in the item shop is Wu-Tang clothing mm-hmm. stuff, like skins that aren't the Wu-Tang members that you would probably want, which is unfortunate because the big Call of Duty thing right now is that Snoop Dogg is in it. Yep. Uh, because why not? Yeah. Uh, I mean, but he's in everything else. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Fortnite has Wu-Tang clothing and I think a... Uh, in emotes and some other small stuff, just Wu-Tang branded stuff. Mm. Uh, no, Rizza is a old dirty bastard, any of those guys, mm. unfortunately. But, you know, uh, I think Moon Knight is the, the big license thing they have right now mm. uh, to go alongside the show. Uh, but I did finish up the Prowler quest. Uh, they just put that up. Uh, it's like seven relatively easy quests to do. Uh, to get the suit, and the the last thing is in moat. So there's that. I've seen a few people running around with it, so mm-hmm. it's out there. Uh, but yeah, been enjoying that. Put some more time into that. Uh, also been playing some more Rocket League, uh, getting ready for the uh, little spring event they're going to be starting up here in a few days. So looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, the, the weird thing I've been playing since one of the the news bit here is a game is coming out a bit quicker than people thought. I decided mm. to jump back into Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Mm. Uh, I was maybe about three hours in, so basically hadn't really done much. Uh, basically got to the point where the, the Grandpa Dragon transformed into like a baby dragon. Mm. Still keeps the Grandpa voice. Mm. Uh, but I've been playing uh, a few hours past that, basically... Got to the town that you get to, 
and run into the big bads there, beat them up uh, for a bit to the point where I get to get a a new vehicle mm-hmm. to get around in, which is a whole weird thing. And there are definitely some issues I have with this game. Mm. The icon will just sit in the middle, but not move in any meaningful way to tell you that mm-hmm. you shouldn't be going that way. Yeah. It'll have up or down arrows if it's below or above you, but the the map doesn't let you see what the hell that means. Mm. So I was like following this for a while. I was like, I have no clue where this is leading me. And I get to points where it's like, oh, everybody's got twice the the level that I have or you know, in the 70s. And I'm like, okay, that's probably not where I'm supposed to be. Until uh, I just Google it. I'm like, where the hell is this? And like, it's, oh, it's this way that's never seemed like a place I could go. Uh, so, you know, that's a fun whole thing. And yeah, it, it loves to give you names of places that you have never been to that they don't put on the map at all. Yeah. Uh, um, if you're playing that game, I would advise, like, uh, do what I did, which was uh, find a walkthrough to help you. Um, yeah, I'm using the Xenoblade wiki yeah. just to be like, collect a bunch of these. I'm like, yeah. where do I go get those? Yeah. And it's like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But don't uh, limit yourself just to the to the wiki, though. Actually go out and explore, because... Yeah, you know, much like uh, much like with the first Xenoblade, Blade, they did really they did some pretty good uh, vistas and landscapes that they designed for the game. Yeah, so you know it's it's definitely worth going off the beaten path and looking around. Oh, I've explored because the map doesn't lead me specifically where yeah. I'm going. Uh, so I've been through areas where you know, I'm like a level twelve or thirteen, and I was like, oh, these are all like thirty five. Yeah. Uh, you accidentally catch the eye of one enemy and they one-shot you and you're back to where you started again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's like a level 81 giant gorilla that's lo- roaming around outside of Torgoth. Yeah, just kind of like what happened uh, with the first Xenoblade. <laughs> you're out in like, the, the, the field there and there's and you're like, you're fighting like a regular enemy there and it's like all of a sudden the camera zooms out and there's a giant freaking gorilla just slowly lumbering up behind you. Yeah, or you're trying to run from a different fight because it's too low level to be of interest to you because you're yeah. just trying to get to a quest area. Then it's like, oh, hey, this guy's at level 81, just one shots you. Okay, now you got to start all over again. Because mm. uh, the save points aren't necessarily great either. Because uh, it's basically just whatever the, the warp points are. And so you end up just learning where those are because you're gonna visit them a lot mm. at times uh so yeah that's kind of the one of the things the game doesn't look uh all that great uh you can definitely tell it's a switch game where it's kind of trying to do too much for the switch yeah well it's also kind of an early switch game too yeah it was one of the yeah it was like one of the first game one of the it was one of the first sort of games in those first couple of rounds of releases that ended up coming out so yeah, it's, yeah, it doesn't run them super well at times. Yeah, it de- especially if you're like on if you're just using the uh, portable aspect of it. Yeah, it definitely you get some yeah. serious slowdown. It's like you know you didn't have to put this many enemies out here if it's going to make it look this this poor. Yeah, you guys could have 
toned it down just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, especially because I was in around the shipyard and there are birds just flying around. She's like, uh-huh. oh, hey, you're fighting. I'm going to join. Make this <laughs> way more annoying than it was before. Uh-huh. And even the fights where you're way overleveled, uh, they still take a while. Yeah. Because it's not that kind of JRPG mm. where you can just like one-shot enemies. Unless they're probably like a tenth of the level you are, I assume. Uh, but yeah, that's the... That's been largely that. I am basically at the point where I guess I'm going to be able to uh, freely travel to other areas. Uh, so that is hopefully going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I will see. But uh, yeah, still liking it. The the other main issue is just every anime trope they can fit into this story. Yeah. And these character designs, they go at it 100%. Yeah. Uh, compared to Xenoblade 2, they, to the first Xenoblade, they went super hard on uh, the other direction. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, you've, have you, you've played the original Xenoblade, haven't you? Or at least the... Yeah, I would say version. that that game very much seems like it was influenced by Final Fantasy XII. Yeah, style. and visually, as well as the character designs, are a lot more restrained. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, with the second one, they got some new art director or something, and they went hard in the other direction. And Yeah, like your main character, Rex, has like a onesie on... Yeah, uh, with this weird armor that's like, I don't know, some cowboy shit. But yeah, also got a diving helmet hanging off his back, which is where the grandpa yeah. dragon hangs out. Yeah, well, I mean, he does that because you know he's a diver. That's yeah, like his actual job. But, but it's not a great suit for. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's like, what is this suit for? And then there's the other fact that he has this sword waifu that acts as basically help, who is basically that. Uh, well, you've she has her. giant boobs. Yeah. Nothing wrong with having giant boobs, mind you, but uh, compared to uh, the female designs that were in the previous game, it's uh, it's very noticeable. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we need one of these in the party at all times. Yeah. So we have something to look at. Mm-hmm. And then, like, one of the first big enemies you face uh, is a, a woman who's a, a top person in this military, mm-hmm. the Empire, and her... Driver, I forget which one's which. The driver, the the sword lady, but she's got she basically fights in a dress. Yep, very revealing dress, and it's like I guess, but geez, you guys could have. I kind of wish because I have the the expansion pass as well, so that gives you tons of DLC. Yeah, and some of it's gated by story stuff, but it doesn't mm-hmm. tell you when. Mm. Uh, at all, but so you just had to go randomly go back and like, okay, is can I get this stuff? Most of it's kind of just bullshit stuff. Yeah, but I kind of wish you got costumes you could use for the different characters that look better, mm. in different looks. It's like, oh, let's make everybody look uh, different, maybe reasonable mm. instead of 100% anime at all times. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the uh, the main little issues. I forget if the the third one looks any better than that. Uh, I forget what it looks like. I probably just look at the the trailers. But um, um... the third one, they're kind of going back to the the sort of original style of uh, character designs. Although the game sort of takes aspect is like 
Okay, so this is kind of, if you've played the, the original Xenoblade Chronicles, or if you're aware of how the story goes, that this isn't really a spoiler or anything, but basically the Xenoblade games all take place in a connected multiverse, and the universe that existed in Xenoblade 2 was caused by a, an event that happened in our world that also created Xenoblade 1, and... Xenoblade 3 is basically those two worlds merging together. So, you know, they're using aspects of different ones, but I, from the trailers I've watched, they definitely are going more in line with the first Xenoblade's character design philosophy. It's a little bit more restrained. Yeah, at least for the main characters, it looks like in this trailer. Yeah. Enemy characters may go anime. Yeah. I will see. But yeah, this uh that's maybe the one strike there and I was like God, I could go for a version of this that is like twenty five percent anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of what they put out. But yeah, that's uh that's Xenoblade Chronicles too. I'm gonna try to keep going through this. Mm-hmm. Uh for the most part, it's a very good game. It's just kinda there's so many fucking systems and things to level up. Mm-hmm. Then I reminded myself that uh, when I had to actually rested it in, uh, that oh, this is where the, all that bonus XP from the side quest goes to. Mm-hmm. You don't actually get that level up. So I went from like level fourteen for all my characters, like nineteen and twenty. Yeah, it's like oh, I've never had a need to go to the inn except for this story quest. Uh, so this is all the XP I've been missing. Mm. So that's been a thing, but uh, that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Um, well, as for me, I finished Elden Ring. Um, I beat the very last boss, uh, which is uh, Matic Radigan of the Golden Order and the Elden Beast, uh, Friday night. And um, it was after I had been going against this boss for a good week and a half, Um I tried multiple times using multiple different strategies. Um, ultimately, what ended up beating up beating them uh, was mostly just using uh, the um, the mimic tier summons, which uh, in you know like uh, anybody who's if you're familiar, you know Elden Ring's been out for a little while now. So if you're not this familiar with it right now, well. Sucks to be you, but basically in Elden Ring, you have these things called summons where you can summon um, various uh, things to assist you. You can only do one at a time, and they range from things like a pack of wolves to a giant jellyfish that can like tank damage and shoot poison ink. Um, there's a you know, sorcerers, uh, soldiers, or groups of soldiers, a knight. Uh, but the Mimic tier is ultimately the best one that you can get. And the reason is because it's literally just you, you know, taken over by an AI. So you are able to basically have two of you fight at once. And depending on how strong it is, you can literally just hang back and have the AI do all the work for you sometimes. But um, ultimately what I ended up doing here was uh, I just summoned... Um, my, my, you know, the mimic tier, 
Um, I had fought Radigan so many times at this point that I had already sort of figured out what to do when he was attacking, how to successfully avoid it uh, without with getting minimal damage, which is not easy because he's very unpredictable, and he doesn't limit himself to just attacking in one direction in succession. If you try to fight him, you know, attack him in the middle of a combo when he's doing a combo against either your summon or cooperators against you, he can, and sometimes he will, turn around mid-combo and hit you. And it's not always that you're fast enough to be able to get the hit in and then successfully dodge. But he can be dealt with if you know what to do with, and I had successfully gotten rid of him several times to get to the Elden Beast. problem with the Elden Beast is... It's one of the, it's easy to say that it's one of the hardest in the game, but in some ways it's not quite. See, it's a really huge boss, and the thing about huge bosses and games like this is they're more big on the intimidation factor than on, on actual challenge. Um, because of their size, that means most of their attacks are very slow for the wind-up, so you can sort of successfully get a good rhythm where you can successfully dodge them. Uh, but he also has some attacks like uh, this one attack where he... And honestly, I, I came across more than a few enemies that have attacks like this that are extremely annoying. Uh, they have attacks that like shoot up like lightning or energy or whatever into the air and then tracks you and then hits you as you're trying to run away. Um, I ended up coming up against the, you know, the the Draconian Tree Knight or whatever he's called. He has one of those attacks, and it took me forever to be able to get into the proper rhythm that let me dodge it successfully. The Elven Beast, on the other hand, has a attack that shoots up a bunch of uh, holy light beams that then come raining down on you. And um, the only really only way I found that you could successfully dodge it is by untargeting the Elden Beast, and then just taking off in a particular direction. Preferably away from the Elden Beast, unless you're far enough away that you can sort of get a good enough distance towards the Elden Beast and have the beams sort of come down behind you. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get hit, and it will wipe you out very quickly if you're not careful. He also has this other thing where he summons like a giant ring of energy that you have to jump over the ring that's sort of closing in you and then you have to run out of the ring of light that's on the ground because he's fixing to have this huge explosion that'll just knock a huge chunk out of your life bar uh and in later parts of the fight he'll actually start summoning multiples of those but ultimately what ended up getting rid of the elven beast was just simple perseverance and getting, you know, coming to terms with the fact that this is going to be kind of a long fight. So the whole fight took me a good 15 minutes, but I did beat him, and I finished the game. So consider Elden Ring finished. Um, it's definitely uh, one of my, It's. It, I mean, as far as things go right now, it's pretty much going to be my top game of the year. Um, I mean, I know we're still, we're not even into summer yet, but it's going to be really hard to top it. Um, but uh, 
since I finished that, I decided to play another game that's been kind of making the rounds on the internet. Uh, it's a short but very enjoyable little horror game called Iron Lung. Um, it's made by the same guy who made Dusk, which is a very retro, low-poly FPS shooter. Um, Iron Lung is a very atmospheric horror game where you are a person who is sealed inside of a rickety old submarine. Um, and in this submarine, you are being lowered into an ocean on this alien moon uh, that's literally made out of blood. You're going down here because you're a convict, and sometime before the game started, all of the uh, planets and stars had just sort of disappeared for whatever reason, and all the survivors are left on, like, random space stations and moons and rockets and trying to rebuild, and then suddenly they find this moon that seems to be filled with blood of some kind. Um, so they lower you down. And the good thing about this game is that it's very, very low maintenance as far as graphics are concerned. The whole thing takes place inside of this rickety submarine. And it's all, again, low poly like Dusk is. The only way you're able to experience or, you know, con you know, see the world outside of the submarine is through your instruments, a map that you have to use to keep your coordinates, and a flash camera mechanism on the back of the submarine that shoots individual photographs of what's outside of your ship. And, I mean, what's outside of your submarine. And because that's literally the only way that you can perceive the world outside of it, it plays mad tricks with your head. Um, the game's sound design is second to none. It's, you're always hearing the water, well, I say water, you know, in a sense, whooshing past the submarine as you're moving. You're always hearing creaks and moans and things bumping up against the side of the submarine. And the stuff that you end up seeing in these grainy photographs that you get, which are literally done by a flash camera, which is pretty much how, like, most uh, old-school deep-sea photographs was done. You'll see stuff like, uh, stuff that, that, on the one hand, is, like, fairly typical for something that you would see at, uh, like, a very bottom deep-sea level. Lots of, like, odd fauna and, you know, sticks and things like that. Stuff that, because of the nature of the place, is just more creepy than it probably actually is. But then you also start seeing things like colossal animal bones. You start seeing things that kind of look like pillars for like a city ruin or something. And then very quickly you start to notice that there's something following you. And you don't really ever get a good look at what it is. It's possibly something akin to, like, a giant anglerfish or something. But you never really get a good look at it. And it, 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 the game, it plays crazy tricks on your head. And the way it, it yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. Just go get it if you have it. It's very cheap. It's only, like, a few dollars on Steam. You can pretty much play the whole thing in an hour. But it's 100% worth it. And, uh, yeah, that's... Basically, what I've been playing. All right, so yeah, let's get to some news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, Game Pass is still going on. Mm-hmm. Let's see, we got some uh, idea of what's coming out here for the rest of the month. Not really a ton here. 
Mm -hmm. uh, but they do have some neat stuff here. Yeah. Uh, let's see. They have. Oh yeah, they've kind of give people a heads up. Hey, uh, we're gonna have some more Ubisoft games coming to Game Pass. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Assassin's Creed Origins mm -hmm. becoming a console and PC via the Ubisoft Connect app. Mm. So they're going through that on PC. That's weird. Mm. Uh, uh, they'll also be bringing For Honor Marching Fire Edition mm -hmm. PC via the Ubisoft Connect app and an upgrade to the Marching Fire Edition or Cloud and Console. Mm. So I, I guess the base version's on there right now, and they're going to upgrade that to the later edition. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting, though. We're to make a big deal of that when it's two pretty old Ubisoft games mm -hmm. compared to having, you know, the most recent Rainbow Six uh, thing that seems like it's largely not doing that great, but whatever. Mm. Uh, let's see. Also available now, Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion mm. on console and PC. This is a game I played a few minutes of this. It is a very absurd little comedic game. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit of Paper Mario to it, though I didn't had any like RPG battles or anything like that in it. Uh, but very much you start in your turnip turnip boy, I guess. Uh huh. Uh, that finds out that you're you have a massive tax bill mm -hmm. and you just tear it up. Mm. And then the mayor, uh, an onion, like might call mayor onion, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's like, hey, you need to pay this. Uh, since you don't have any money, you're going to be my uh, assistant until you work it off. That kind of thing. And he sends you off to go do some stuff. And along the way, you run into a bunch of other people. Uh, and one of the things is like, oh, there's this uh, watering can you find. And you find out, oh, it's this this uh, one character, this old man. His watering can is like, oh, mm -hmm. he's kind of blind too, I guess. It's like, oh, I hope nobody's taking my watering can. Mm -hmm. and they're like knowingly taking it so... You can get further on because you got to use it to get some plants growing, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, but you eventually work your way up to like a sword that uh, then you can actually start killing. And I ran into this character that's like, man, there's this snail named Jerry that's, you know, staying here with me, but he's not paying his rent. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do because I don't speak snail. And I went yeah. up and killed him. He's like, you killed Jerry. What the hell? Mm -hmm. The money is like, oh, he's gonna pay his rent. Okay, yeah. and you just give him the money, and it's like, oh, okay, here, uh, here's a share for you. Mm -hmm. I think he writes you up like a check, and you just rip the check up. Uh, like the the quest line just seems to be find all these documents and just tear them up mm. uh, as part of your chaos that you're leaving around this town and all that. So mm -hmm. it's a weird little puzzle solvey kind of thing. That's pretty fun, but yeah, that's uh, that's out now. Let's see, the few other games they have here. Uh, Seven Days to Die on April 26th, console and PC. Mm -hmm. uh, for that, that is a survival sandboxy RPG kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, Research and Destroy, April 26th. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, take control of three brilliant super scientists in this turn-based action game. Is a research and develop strange new weapons and gadgets to destroy the supernatural hordes that have mm -hmm. all but crushed humanity. So there you go. That's a uh, yeah console and PC. There's yeah Bugsnax is out April twenty eighth. 
for Game Pass. That's uh, with the, the big new update as well, the Isle of Big Snacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can check that out. And also on April 28th, Unsold. That's S-O-L-S-O-U-L-D-E-D. So, yeah, it's kind of uh, a Souls-like RP- action RPG kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I believe it's a 2D Souls-like. Mm. Uh, from like can remember, but maybe it's not. Okay, it's like a little top-down-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, there you go. That one will be out the 28th console and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. Mm-hmm. That's mostly it for that. There's you know, some perks stuff here, just some DLC stuff for Halo Infinite and Apex Legends and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. there you go. That's it. So some decent stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Another subscription service that got some new stuff Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. Yep. But for the Genesis stuff. Mm-hmm. Another random drop there. Yep. Uh, but they added at least some stuff that people have heard of. Yeah. Uh, there is Space Harrier 2. Mm-hmm. A sequel to the popular sort of shooter mm-hmm. of sorts. I believe this one's not as well revered as the original, but yeah, it's, it's more, more that. the same, really. Yeah, there's Shining Force 2. Yeah. Uh, that's a game... I assume it's pretty well revered. It's a pretty classic uh, Genesis RPG, yeah. Yeah, and then the last one is Sonic the Hedgehog Spinball. Uh, if you mm-hmm. want your action pinball stuff in there, uh, one of the one of the more wild like spinoffs you would see of a, a mascot platformer series mm-hmm. out there, but it made sense with Sonic, you know, basically turning into a ball for large portions of. His games. Hey, make a pinball thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much the, like, one Sonic game that exists that actually acknowledges at any point the fact that the Saturday morning cartoon actually existed. Famously because in the, uh, the, um, bonus stage of that game, you end up basically seeing literally the only time that any of those characters actually show up in a Sonic game. And they're only there for like a couple of seconds. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. Also, the game that game's sound design is awful. Like, legit painful to hear. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was originally a Game Gear game, wasn't it? Or I think it might have been a Master System game originally. Uh, I don't know. All I know is, is that it is painful to hear. Yeah, I don't remember too much about the audio on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that is, uh, let me see. That seems like it was out of the Genesis first. Mm. Game Gear in 94, Master System 95, only in the EU. They got a Game Boy Advance port in 2002. Mm. So, yeah. There, there you go. But that wasn't the only thing that got added to the Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion nope. pack. Uh, they added the Octo expansion for Splatoon 2 mm-hmm. this week. So if you have Splatoon 2, you can check that out. Yeah, and you should because it's actually really, really good. In fact, the campaign might actually be better than the base game. Yeah, it's this is a weird addition, though, because it's not a standalone thing that you can 
startup on your own? No, but considering what we're going to be talking about in just a little bit, the fact that they're now sort of giving it away for semi-free kind of makes sense. Yeah, but that also means if you don't own Splatoon 2, yeah. you're going to have to spend a considerable amount of money that would be better spent towards Splatoon 3, really. Yeah, yeah, that's true. At least uh, until we know that there's anything different going on with that, as mm-hmm. far as like story, campaign stuff, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all they've really shown is mostly multiplayer stuff in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if you have Splatoon 2 and did not get the expansion at any point... Mm-hmm. And here you go. You can play some more of that. Uh, and I believe it is a very challenging expansion as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there you go. That's uh, happening. Let's see. Also happening, this one is this week. Uh, the House of the Dead remake is coming to other platforms. Mm-hmm. Especially the PS4, Xbox One, PC, and I guess as well the Stadia mm-hmm. on April 28th. Uh, that is, I think, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, so that wasn't much of an exclusive, uh, Switch exclusive thing. Nope. There. It I'm guessing, very long. I'm guessing that wasn't really a Switch exclusive, that they just mm-hmm. held it back to sell that version more. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, but I believe they have said that they are going to be adding support for the Move controller on PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can play with a uh, a pretty good sort of like controller style thing mm-hmm. there uh, versus sort of just gyro controls. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DualShock Xbox, you're you're just kind of screwed there. Mm-hmm. They don't have gyro in their controller or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get much out of that. Uh, but Steam version should also be pretty good. Steam and GOG, it's going to be on. Because you can just use a mouse or mm-hmm. probably get some way of compatibility with other controllers for that stuff, so... Mm-hmm. There you go. It'll be 25 bucks, which seems like a lot for that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why you can play for sales. So, mm-hmm. there you go. House of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, let's see. For next week, there's a game called Loot River that is happening. Mm-hmm. It's going to be out. Uh, that is... Uh, oh yeah, published by Superhot Presents. The the Superhot guys started a little publisher thing. Mm-hmm. This is one of their games uh, that they're publishing, Loot River, which is sort of a dungeon crawling action roguelike where the uh, one of the main mechanics is that you can get on platforms that you can move around like a a tile shifting puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can sort of move it across gaps and all that kind of stuff as a way to potentially like separate enemies and all that kind of stuff. Play around and get kind of an advantage with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be out May 3rd. Uh, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. On Steam, it'll also be on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out. Kind of a Souls-ish kind of game, but with uh, some interesting mechanics to it. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be a pretty interesting one to uh, see as it gets out here. Was the date next Tuesday, the third? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. Uh, now we're gonna go a little bit further. May twenty seventh. That mm-hmm. is when Ko the Kangaroo is gonna be out for uh, all the consoles and PC. And yeah, that is the sort of a 
reboot or follow-up of the the series that was kind of a mediocre platformer on the like Dreamcast and PC mm-hmm. of sorts that uh well by the wayside for probably good reasons. Yeah. Uh, there being much better options out there. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah the it is coming back in some form on uh, let's see all the PlayStations, Xboxes, Switch and PC. Mm-hmm. May twenty seventh. I hope it's better than what that demo was, which was a very buggy thing that just messed with my uh, whole streaming setup. Yeah, no kidding. Some reason where the resolution was all weird, then the audio, for reason, couldn't turn down sound effect audio. Mm-hmm. Because the what was labeled as sound effect audio was actually like background music kind of stuff, which was like, mm-hmm. that's not great. Uh, the action itself seemed fine for what it is. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, depending on how um, much you're chosen for that kind of thing, it might be better to wait for it to go on sale or try something else. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Now let's move up into June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the PlayStation Plus is getting an overhaul in mm-hmm. June, and they have given an updates with dates for when it's going to be happening in different regions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've said... In Asia markets, besides Japan, uh, May 23rd, Japan will be June 1st, mm. the Americas will be June 13th, and Europe, June 22nd. All right. Uh, for that, they're also expanding their cloud streaming stuff to uh, some more countries to give it a total of 30 markets with this launch that uh, they will be adding Bulgaria, Croatia, Czech Republic, Greece, Hungary, Malta, Poland, Republic of Cyprus. Romania, Slovakia, and Slovenia mm-hmm. to go with a, a bunch of other countries. Where is that at? U.S., Canada, Japan, U.K., France, Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg, Austria, Switzerland, Ireland, Spain, Italy, Portugal, Norway, Denmark, Finland, and Sweden. Mm-hmm. So covering the vast majority of Europe. There. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, as well as North America and you and uh, Japan there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they're going to be announcing more details here uh, in the next few weeks, as they mentioned here. So I assume we'll get a list here uh, before May 23rd when it starts yeah. hitting uh, uh, the various Asia markets there. So uh, looking forward to that. More details. Mm-hmm. All right, more stuff in June. The Shadowrun yep. trilogy, the yep. uh, the most recent versions of yep. Shadowrun that were made by uh, who was it here? Hairbrain Schemes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are putting that trilogy on the consoles. Yep. Uh, all the Playstations, Xboxes, and Switch this summer, June twenty first. Mm. And Never so with that, and with that, they are updating the. Uh, the controller options here, optimizing it for that, upscaling the graphics, improving performance, and all that kind of stuff to make it look as good as possible for TV screens and the Switch screen and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. be 40 the bucks. great, by the way. Um, yeah. So if you get a chance, yeah, you should definitely pick this up. All three of those games are very much worth playing. Yep. Yeah, and that was a series that was Brought back through Kickstarter. Yeah, it was one of the uh, first big Kickstarter success stories, really. Yeah. 
and uh, kind of validated the idea that game, that you know that could be a good a good uh, funding mechanism for better or worse. Yeah, and very much a a sign that the revival of those kind of computer RPGs was a a viable thing in the market. Yeah, again. we got just because of that we got stuff like Wasteland Two, you know, yeah, stuff the, like that. Uh, all that kind of stuff that is now all over the place, though probably at a saturation point. Yeah, of sorts. But there's still some good ones out there. That oh yeah, there's still some great stuff out there if you know what you're if you. But yeah, that's uh, that's hitting June twenty first. Yeah. And now we're gonna start getting to some big hitters here. Uh, that Sonic Origins collection that was announced last summer at E three, or. Summer Game Fest, whichever one it was, they had a big Sonic event yeah. stream that announced a bunch of stuff. There, Sonic Origins was one of the more interesting ones yeah. uh, because it was like, "Hey, here's a collection with Sonic One, Two, Three, and CD." And it's like, "Oh, that's interesting because Sonic the Hedgehog Three never gets re-released anymore." Yeah, weirdly enough, it yeah, weirdly enough, um, it kind of gets sort of overlooked which is really odd when you consider like how much effect that game like lore wise has on the rest of the series yeah though i think it's partly the music stuff because michael jackson has yeah involvement in that and yeah and uh although that i can't remember did i how much of the music that he did for that game actually made it final game because I know he would use he use like some of the pieces that he used for that game for his future albums, but uh, enough that you know made them licensing that stuff pretty uh, challenging. Yeah, which I don't know if that's why this is the Sonic Three and Knuckles version that has less of it or none of it. I don't know what that whole thing is, but yeah, that is a. Uh, that's the version they're going with here, Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Yeah. Well, I mean, wasn't that the version that... Well, no, I was going to say, wasn't that the version... No. Uh, originally, they, they made a different version that came out later to go with the UX. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is like the version that combines uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Sonic and Knuckles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's... You had that kind of whole like unique idea that was going on at that time, like a lock on that you could do, like the Banjo Kazooie games were supposed to do that between the first and second games to unlock stuff. Yeah, basically with uh, that Sonic, with the that particular the Sonic the Sonic and Knuckles game, you could basically put like old uh, other uh, Sonic games, and it would like completely alter it. Like you could play. I think the original Sonic the Hedgehog completely with, but with with just Knuckles, um, or it could have, or it might have been Sonic too. I can't remember, but yeah, um, that was kind of like back during probably my favorites Sega era because they were getting really experimental and weren't really afraid to try really weird and crazy things. Yeah. Ultimately, though, it might also be kind of what doomed them in the console market because they they spent so much money on all this experimental stuff without much return financially. Yeah, that was that was Sega. Mm-hmm. 
uh, where their various branches sort of went to war at each other. Mm-hmm. And they doomed their whole console department. Mm-hmm. So, great job, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a $40 game when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, though they do have a deluxe edition that includes all the DLC that they are bringing to the game after mm-hmm. launch. And so they decided to create this weird chart to uh, confuse people into thinking they're making this more complex than it actually is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so all there is out there is the standard edition and deluxe edition. Uh, there's a pre-order pack that gives you 100 bonus coins, unlocks mirror mode, mm-hmm. and allows for a letterbox background. I'm not mm-hmm. 100% sure what that is. Uh, but... There's like a premium fun pack, they're calling it, that unlocks hard missions. I believe there's like missions that'll give you to do in the different games that let you unlock like bonus content. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume a lot of like music stuff and uh, concept art and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, they're putting some of that as like paid DLC for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also get character animation in the main menu, which I. It's like, why the fuck are you making people pay for that? Yeah. Camera controls over the main menu islands mm-hmm. and character animation during music islands, which I guess is what they call the... When you're playing music, in it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have, like, Sonic running around. Because, mm. you know, that's something you should pay for. Yeah. I guess. And <laughs> there's a classic music pack that has additional music tracks for... Uh, mm. Those games as well, I guess. Uh, you get all that with the uh, digital deluxe edition, uh, but it's only five bucks more, forty-five bucks. Mm. They've been doing this of late. Uh, the Monkey Ball thing they put out had a digital deluxe edition that included like the uh, later DLC, which mostly was just, "Hey, here's other like skins for the ball." Mm-hmm. I think which had like you know the the Genesis and the the Saturn and the Dreamcast, I think. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, that's kind of neat. But uh, I think there was some that had specific levels that were bonus stuff as well. So it's like, I guess. But, you know, you could make that base edition more appetizing if you added that bonus stuff to it. Instead of charging five bucks more. So Sega's continued on with this and just kind of annoyed people with a self-inflicted wound of bringing up a complex chart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to explain how this DLC works. Yeah. Especially when it's as vague as it is. like Character animation in the main menus. Like, what? Mm. But we're talking about something that isn't that complex. Klonoa Fantasy Reverie series. Yep. Uh, when they announced that it was coming out July 8th, they only mentioned the Switch version mm-hmm. uh, for that. And so people are like, oh, maybe this is the timed exclusive. And well, no. It's They've confirmed that it is coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC on July 8th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to be out on everything. You don't have to worry about picking and choosing where you're going to get it. Yeah. And yeah, that is. Uh, it seems like it's going to be digital only here in North America. Mm-hmm. In Europe and Japan, it's going to have physical versions. Uh, but yeah, this is a collection that has the first two games. Clone mm-hmm. of Phantom Isle. And Clone Wars 2, Lunatees Veil, which were a PS1 and a PS2 game. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we have enhanced graphics, adjustable difficulty settings, and two-player cooperative modes as well. Mm. Uh, so some pretty nice options there for you. So that is uh, uh, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that's one I probably will be grabbing because I love those games. Mm-hmm. And they're not making it unnecessarily complicated. Mm. Uh, like Sega has been. So there you go. Mm-hmm. That is uh, you know, July 8th. And happening on July 29th, Nintendo announced that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 will be happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, will be out instead of when they announced in the Direct earlier this year mm-hmm. that it was going to be out in September. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing they got finished a little bit quicker than they thought mm-hmm. and decided to say, hey, we're going to put it out in July and give you three months to get through the game, mm-hmm. the, the second game if you have not. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems like your party can uh, be pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a party of six. Yep. As well as additional characters they'll meet during the adventure. So yeah. the, with two, it's... It's, I think, three is what mm-hmm. I have so far. I don't know if you can get more. Uh, but then you have a an extra character, the the driver, I guess, mm-hmm. that uh, creates a lot of chaos, especially when they're doing their quips all throughout. Yeah. Uh, hearing Tora go, meh, 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 throughout mm-hmm. the entire fight, I'm like, oh, I want to kill you now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they, co- they calm down on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like your character can change classes. Uh, Noah's a sword fighter, especially in, specializing in close range attacks, while Mio's Zephyr, mm-hmm. drawing enemy attention while evading their strikes. Mm-hmm. As each character has their own class with their own strengths. Progressing the adventure, players can change their character's classes, creating a customized party. So you can kind of create different strategies in that way. And they have a new interlink system. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, uh, each of the tag team pairs can make use of the interlink system if certain conditions are met. They'll then combine into a giant form called Ouroboros. Mm -hmm. I think of those big mechs that you see fighting in there on occasion. Yep. Uh, So there you go. They got more mechs into the series that's known for its mechs. With the mechs, that makes me wonder if they're going to start in aspect cross. Yeah, I don't know. Because, uh, that game was also like heavily mech focused, though oddly enough, you couldn't really get one until you were like level fifty or something. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they're going to have a special edition. Yeah, uh, which is only on the My Nintendo Store. Yeah. So that whole thing they've been doing, where they're sort of beefing up their store stuff on their website. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like they may end up just making all their special editions only available through their own store. Mm-hmm. Which is not really a huge surprise, uh, but now probably going to annoy people that were hoping to get it to whatever retailer of their choice. <laughs> uh, especially if you get like free shipping or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Nintendo's store does free shipping. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they don't have it up just yet. I'm trying to see if I can get a night. Get a look at what exactly it has. Let me see here. There it is. Uh, they, this article, they just put a bunch of random, uh, not really random, they put links to all the other games. Mm-hmm. Here, go play this stuff. 
Yeah, their special edition isn't listed here, but I think it has a 250-plus page hardcover art book in a steel case. Mm-hmm. Uh, package artwork from Masasugu Saito. Mm-hmm. I assume one of the chief artists on the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not really super complex kind of special edition, but uh, I assume they'll let people know when they pre-order so they can get a five-second chance to get one in at some point here. But there you go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the next one here, Bandai Namco decided, hey, let's put out our long-awaited Digimon Survive yep. on July 29th. Uh-huh. The same day as Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yep. So, niche anime stuff for everybody. <laughs> and it's like, hey, we want in on this date that at least one platform is going to be all about this other one. Mm-hmm. And punish the Digimon fans that have been... Loyal for some reason for so long. But yeah, this one uh, is coming to all the platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. So if you do not have a, a Switch, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this one was announced in 2018 with a 2019 release window, and I'm sure COVID did not help at all. Mm. Uh, but it's now finally going to be releasing here tw- uh, four years later. Mm. Uh, so there you go, Digimon Survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that, that game had been in development for a while. <laughs> yep. Damn. Uh, but yeah, the Nintendo was not done. They announced that mm. Splatoon 3 is going to be out September 9th. Yeah, and uh, they basically announced it like a good 15-minute long player match, showing like sort of all the stuff, new stuff that you can do in this installment. Yeah. And it definitely looks a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, kind of, you know, I can't wait for this. I mean, I bought Splatoon 2 and fell in love with it, so I totally get it. Um, yeah. I did notice some people were asking, it's like, wow, why are they only doing, like, showing off the multiplayer stuff for this announcement? And I had two thoughts on that. My one is, well, I mean, multiplayer is kind of why a lot of people play this, first of all. Um, it's like one of the... One of the main competitive games, you know, next to Smash that you can play on the Switch. Yeah. But also because anybody who's played Splatoon up to this point knows is that, despite how goofy and simple it looks on the surface, the Splatoon games are actually pretty lore-heavy. And I don't think they really want to spoil anything right now. Especially when it comes to the almost certainly future DLC that they're planning. Yeah. If you've noticed this, Brandon, nobody talks about the campaign. <laughs> it's not a thing that people obsessively talk about like their other games. That's not in a it's a bad kind of thing. It's just not the thing that drives the conversation on that series. Yeah, that's fair. Because for as good as those campaigns have been, people just care about uh talking about the multiplayer, so Yeah. Might as well show off the thing that is going to actually get people to pay attention to. Yeah, that's true. Even though it largely looks like what the other two games have been. Just with some new weapons and a couple of new changes mm-hmm. here and there. They're not really making any major changes here. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's kind of a shame that they don't, you know, support those games longer uh, and get people uh, more of an evolution over time. But that's mm-hmm. not really Nintendo's way of doing anything. Yeah. So yeah, that's created a lot of uh, 
uh, annoying nerd conversation about like, oh, September is summer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how hot is it in September for you, Brandon? It can get pretty hot. It's like, I'm pretty sure it's still summer. Yeah. And so by September 9th, it's still very hot and none of it fucking matters anyway. Yeah. I think uh, people are like, oh, they delayed, they delayed, uh, you know, Splatoon 3, so they moved Xenoblade up. And it's like, that's not how that works. Yeah. They're not going to r- rush games out that aren't ready. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that is, uh, that is that. September mm-hmm. 9th. So there's a suite of uh, games coming out here over the next few months uh, for you to be excited about. Uh, at least through July, there's not much beyond that just yet, but it seems like there's going to be an event in June, a few at least. They're going to give us some more dates and such for the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, let's get on to some more news. And there's one more summer game that's supposedly coming. Uh, Gearbox has said they're reviving Tales from the Borderlands mm-hmm. uh, for a new game coming out this summer. There's a catch. Yeah. Telltale is not involved in this. Nope. Uh, Gearbox is doing all the writing and all that in in studio. Yeah. Which means, who knows what the hell this is going to be. Yeah. The original Tales of the Borderlands basically expanded on all the stuff you saw in in the pre-sequel. So, yeah, I I, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because... The, the the internal Borderlands writing is maybe not the greatest out there. Nah, nah, it, it really isn't. And Tales from Borderlands is sort of the best writing the series has ever had. Yeah, it, honestly, the in-house writing out after the end of Borderlands too. Yeah, uh, allowing them to be more focused is a benefit mm-hmm. for these kind of uh, for this kind of property where they're prone to just mm-hmm. lots of barking. Uh, from characters mm-hmm. just yelling out catchphrases and shit that is why people kind of latch to this where there's more considerate story and action in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm curious to see what this is like and where it takes place because it's not going to take place with any of the the characters from the first game mm-hmm. either. So, you know, they've kind of, from what I've heard, they've kind of just tossed aside those characters largely whenever they... They bring them up in the main Borderlands games. So it's not like they have become core parts of the of the franchise. Mm-hmm. So hopefully get better luck this time around. Yeah. So who knows what that's going to be about. Uh, we got some good news here. Alice has announced that Shin Megami Tensei Five has reached 1 million units sold worldwide. Yeah, that's really good for a fairly niche game series. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's Persona that does the big numbers like that. And even then, Persona 4 and 5 have done much better than this one has. Yeah. And that's partly, this is on a on the Switch, came out in November, mm-hmm. amongst a bunch of other big games. Yeah. Didn't really do too much for itself in that, but also it's you know a, a franchise that is not that publicly popular like Persona is. Yeah. Even though Persona is the spinoff of this. Yeah. And they're kind of largely similar types of games. Yeah, more... Well, I mean, they have a lot of ideas going with them, yeah. Yeah. 
the only difference, though, is that unlike in uh, the Persona games and the Shin Megami Tensei games, you don't have, like, a base summon that you can use. You basically have to get all of the summons that you have from these other monsters you run into. Also, unlike the Persona series, these games are insanely hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, there is a very steep learning curve with these games. Yeah. yeah that's kind of the appeal there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's... uh. Also, they're not as, like, graphically advanced either. The Shin Megami Tensei games are largely sort of... Are, the, the original Shin Megami Tensei these games are largely very much like a first-person dungeon crawler type thing. Yeah. But yeah, like the the last major entries in this series have been on the the 3DS, so mm-hmm. it's not like it has much opportunity to look amazing compared to, mm-hmm. you know, Persona 5 being on a, a PS4. Mm. Uh, so there's that, but... I'm kind of wondering if it's going to come to PlayStation or PC or something. Mm. Seems like a good way to drum up more sales out of this mm-hmm. this game, because I don't think there's any real particular reason that it has to stay on the Switch mm. uh, for that. So maybe we'll do a Shin Megami Tensei 5, I don't know, gold. And I don't I forget what the, the big color was for this one mm-hmm. uh, compared to the others, but uh, some sort of a special edition that feature some tweaks and such and new content mm-hmm. and all that that people can do, which they're prone to doing. Mm-hmm. Shin Megami Tensei 4 had uh, Apocalypse, mm-hmm. the, the sort of follow-up revamp kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that had the, the dumb skin that the original had, which was uh, we took the textures of an Amazon box and made a outfit for your character out of that, mm-hmm. which is one of the dumbest like retail specific deals he's ever seen. Uh, but speaking of games selling well, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga mm-hmm. has sold 3.2 million units in two weeks. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good. Uh, honestly, though, not terribly surprising either. This uh, this game was pretty. I wouldn't say hyped, but it had been long anticipated. Yeah, it's a Star Wars game that is very accessible. Yeah. Is on everything. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like they have done some nice things to make it uh, more than just a a port of the old games. They've done a lot of overhauling a lot of how the game works and mm-hmm. adding a lot of uh, new content to it, especially for the new movies. Mm-hmm. to it that uh, give it a lot of uh, love and attention to detail that uh, maybe some of those movies don't deserve, uh, especially Rise of Skywalker. Uh, yeah. It has like tons of characters to unlock. Uh, yeah. Even obscure ones that you would never think yeah. would be in any sort of game. Well, that's bound for the course with these games. They, uh, even as far back as the first Lego Star Wars game, they had that feature. Yeah, but this one has gone even above that stuff. Yeah. I think you can play as the uh, the weird diner dude in the Clone Wars movie. That's like... Oh. That guy, oh. 
Huh. I think they've got DLC as well coming for it. Yep. It features like some of the uh, mini figs from the 90s that they made mm-hmm. uh, for other stuff. So they're going to get weird with it with some of these new character mm-hmm. packs. And that's how they get their, their value out of it is you keep playing over and over and over again to get mm-hmm. the uh, the money to buy these different characters or do whatever they need to do to unlock them. All that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So, yeah, it's good to see. Uh, and speaking of Star Wars, uh, Amy Hennig is returning to the world of Star Wars. Is her yeah. last attempt at a game uh, with EA kind of did not go well. Yeah, uh, a pretty much a lot of their Star Wars projects then got canceled for uh, obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, the only reason we managed to get. Jeff- as untouched by corporate bullshit as it was, is almost assuredly because Respawn Entertainment basically saved EA's financial assets, Apex Legends. Yeah. And I will continue to resound that from the rooftops to remind people this is literally the only reason why that game managed to come out as good as it did. Because EA kept their hands off and let Respawn do what they do best. Yeah. And it, they seem to have actually learned their lesson. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Amy Hennig's new studio, Skydance New Media, mm-hmm. is the one that is working on this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't really have any uh, great details about just saying richly cinematic yeah. action-adventure game featuring an original story. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah. I'm I'm glad she's at least getting another project because she hasn't really done anything that's been able to come out since Uncharted Three. She's basically, you know, after she left Naughty, she basically had to deal with a bunch of corporate bullshit from EA and uh, yeah, yeah. I don't like. I don't think people really understand like just how much of an impact she's had on the industry. You know, like, most people know her for the Uncharted games, but she's done a bunch of other stuff than that. She did pretty much the entire Legacy of Kane series, specifically the Soul Reaver ones. She did, you know, Chaos in Windy City. You know, she did a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, with this new studio, she is also working on a Marvel game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's really any details on that either. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's something more original, so that could be neat, but kind of cool. She's got two irons in the fire, and both are related to Disney. Uh, so there you go. Mm. Uh, but yeah, let's get to our second-to-last story here, GOG. Not necessarily CD Projekt Red, but the GOG uh, company itself mm-hmm. has uh, said that they are uh, offering its employees menstrual leave. Yeah. Uh, some extra uh, sort of potential days off if they mm-hmm. have anybody suffering from excessive period pain or other complications. Yeah. Uh, some time off to deal with that. Yeah. Have to use sick leave or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes it one of the first companies in the industry that offers such a benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's really not much to add to this. Uh, you know, GOG, of course, is by CD Projekt, and they're based out of Poland. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, 
pretty much all I can add to it. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll it'll definitely set a uh, standard. I think I hope it'll set end up setting a standard for the rest of the industry to follow. And uh, I think also CD Projekt is kind of trying to clean house after the disaster that Cyberpunk 77 was. So, yeah, um, I hope they do more. Yeah, it seems like this also has some flexibility to allow them to take a few hours leave rather than full days uh, off. Yeah. Uh, which could be good. Mm-hmm. And it seems like also CD Projekt Red is looking into providing similar options for their own employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be good as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just allows more of an inclusive workplace uh, for women that uh, potentially have uh, particularly rough menstrual cycles yeah. uh, for that stuff. So, yeah, it's good to see. And, yeah, the last story here, going back to Nintendo. Uh, but not for a good reason. It seems like a contractor that worked with Nintendo mm-hmm. has filed a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board accusing Nintendo uh, and their contract worker agency, Aston Carter, mm-hmm. of surveillance, retaliation, and other unfair labor practices as it results to talk of unionization. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Kotaku here has... Uh, Mentioned they talked to four sources familiar with the incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the complaint comes after a part time employee spoke about unions in a business meeting and was later fired mid contract mm. in an unprecedented move. Others are now speaking up about feeling disrespected and exploited mm-hmm. at Nintendo, which generally you don't hear any of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the department meeting took place in February. And a remark asking for a general comment about unionization in the games industry came. During an open question and answer period at the end, uh, months later or months earlier, Rodeo Games became the first studio in North America to unionize. Let's see, and yeah, uh, QA testers, Activision, particularly uh, Raven, were voting to unionize all that kind of stuff. So that kind of led to uh, this worker asking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were fired shortly after for allegedly violating their NDA in a comment on social media. Mm. That's the claim. Uh, Nintendo put out a statement saying, we are aware of the claim, which was filed with the National Labor Relations Board by a contractor who was previously terminated for the disclosure of confidential information. Mm-hmm. And for no other reason, Nintendo is not aware of any attempts to unionize or related activity and tends to cooperate with the investigation conducted by the NLRB. Nintendo is fully committed to providing a welcoming and supportive work environment for all our employees and contractors who take matters of employment very seriously. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sources tell Kotaku the social media post in question was extremely vague and based on disciplinary actions they witnessed in the past would normally have warranted a warning at best. Mm -hmm. Said they contend the contract worker was being retaliated against for their comments in the February meeting. Mm. And yeah, so they... Uh, let's see, saying issues there go deeper than just one instance of alleged retaliation. Uh, let's see, for hundreds of contract workers at Nintendo America, however, the dream can forever feel just out of reach and tarnished by the company's insistence on treating them like second-class workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not a a surprising thing. Uh, let's see, employees with that Kotaku spoke with described a two-tiered system 
or temporary workers are, res- are cycled through outside agencies on 11th month contracts with mandatory two month breaks in between. They say they can apply for unemployment during that time, but remain without access to health benefits and breaks between contracts. Mm-hmm. It sometimes lasts much longer. Mm-hmm. These types of mandatory breaks between contracts or something. Uh, Microsoft famously put into practice after it lost a historic $97 million class action lawsuit to thousands of then permatemp employees at the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, many testers say they make as little as $16 an hour, which is less than the minimum wage of next door Seattle in one of the priciest housing markets in the country. Mm-hmm. Handful of people make over $20, but that's rare, said one current full-time employee. And yeah, obviously Activision Blizzard recently upgraded their testers to starting rate of $20, mm-hmm. excluding the people at Raven Software. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's kind of the, the gist here. Not great news, not really surprising. Yeah. Contractors tend to get work like shit mm-hmm. all across this industry and yeah. anywhere else, really. Mm. Even that notion of like a a cyclical thing is something I've seen outside of the gaming industry, and it's it's a real shitty thing to be like, oh, we want to keep you around, but we're gonna not have you around for this specific amount of time mm-hmm. uh, because it's downtime, and we don't want to pay you for downtime. Yeah, because that would cost money. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to be able to get unemployment, but that's not that useful for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Also, it's, I, I'm trying to remember, like, is there this weird sort of relationship between the contractors and Nintendo and Japan? Because some way we're like, what, who controls who or whatever? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There, there was this like really complicated thing I read somewhere about how um, apparently, Nintendo in Japan exerts more control over the contractors than they let on. Possible. Yeah, it's possible. That stuff gets really, really complicated. Yeah, and there's the whole weird thing where Miyamoto uh, was known by employees to walk into mm-hmm. rooms where they're working saying, it's now Mario time. Mm-hmm. That means they had to work later and longer and essentially just this is the start of crunch time, mm-hmm. as we call Mario time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of some some wild shit there. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully they get the uh, the respect they deserve mm. as contractors. Because if they're, they're they're that important to keep bringing them back, then pay them the fucking money. Mm-hmm. Like Nintendo doesn't make money. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that will do it for this week. Yep. A lot of stuff going on, but it should oh, keep boy. ramping up here as we go on because we're going to head towards the uh, Summer Game Fest stuff. Yep. It's happening in June, essentially a month or so away. Mm-hmm. There'll be plenty of companies wanting to announce stuff ahead of time, especially yep. if they're releasing stuff here in June and July mm-hmm. and August, and they would like to get in there before everybody else starts drowning mm-hmm. everything out, so... Uh, yeah, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you to Brandon for joining this week. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news to talk about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you enjoy the show, feel free to let friends and family know that you enjoy it and they should check it out. Yeah. And select strangers that uh, will not mace you and 
uh, throw you out into the street. They may mace you, but they may like us. Yeah, they can't mace us because we're digital. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Hope you have a good one, and we'll see you all next time.